You're listening to Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher's present series of talks, is all about our Christian integrity. That is, do our lives tell out who we are if we say we profess the Christian faith? There's a booklet to go with this series. It's called No Compromise. And I'll give you the address after Brian's talk. That's if you get a pen and paper handy. But now, let's go to hear Brian. Thanks, John. Once, in an in-flight magazine, there was a feature on ethics. It began with a provocative story, which, without doubt, was designed to get the reader's attention, and probably usually succeeded. The writer described a man on board an aeroplane who propositioned the woman sitting next to him for one million dollars. In other words, he asked this stranger if she would be prepared to sleep with him if he paid her a million dollars. The woman was scandalised that this total stranger would dare to offer her a million dollars if she slept with him. But she pursued the conversation and gradually began to entertain the possibility of how she could so easily become a millionaire. It wasn't too long before they set the time, the terms and the conditions. Then just before they were about to leave the aeroplane, the man confessed. He said, I have to admit that I don't really have a million dollars. Would just ten do? On the verge of smacking him across the face for such an insult, the woman snapped back, What do you think I am? That's already been established, he replied. Now we're just haggling over the price. Hmm. Do our principles also have a price limit? James Patterson and Peter Kim wrote a book entitled The Day America Told the Truth. In it, they asked the question, What are you willing to do for $10 million? They polled a number of Americans to see if they would agree to any of the following in return for receiving $10 million. Here's what they found. 25% would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 25% would abandon their church for $10 million. 23% would become prostitutes for a week in exchange for $10 million. 16% would leave their spouses for $10 million. 10% would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% would murder a stranger for $10 million. 3% would put their children up for adoption for $10 million. Can you believe that? Two-thirds of all Americans polled would agree to at least one of these conditions provided they were given $10 million. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? Hopefully, you'd be among the one-third who refused to sell their integrity. There's a man whom we meet in the Bible who definitely comes into that category. His name is Naboth, and his story is found in 1 Kings chapter 21. Now, it came about after these things that Naboth, The Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it's close beside my house. And I'll give you a better vineyard, better than it in its place, if you like. I'll give you the price of it in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. So Ahab came into his house sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. 
and he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and ate no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, How is it that your spirit is so sullen and you're not eating food? So he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. It was a case of no sale at any price for Naboth. The point we're making is not about sentiment. It's about principle. How can people like Naboth refuse to compromise at any price, and yet we sell the truth? I ask you, what price your convictions? Some people's career takes over their lives. Success is like an addiction. Peer pressure puts us under tremendous strain to sell out and compromise our Christian standards. A similar old story out of India has a different twist. It tells of a wealthy man who came into a small village to buy it. Hut by hut, shack by shack, he bought every square inch of the village, except for what belonged to one old man, who refused to sell his hut in the centre of the village to this man who simply wanted to boast that he owned the whole village. The rich man doubled his offer, not once, but twice, but still the old man refused to sell, saying he'd not sell at any price. The rich man tried to find something the old man would take in exchange for his old hut, but every effort failed. The rest of the village belonged to the rich man, but he couldn't own the old man's hut whatever he tried. Whenever the greedy landowner was showing off his estate to his friends, as they passed through the centre of the village, the old man who'd refused to sell out to him would step out from his doorway and say to the village owner's guests, Don't let him tell you that he owns it all. He doesn't own this part of it. This hut right in the middle belongs to me. Looking at our life from another angle, you may know the Saviour, and you may have been baptised, you may be regular at the church services, even teaching a Sunday school class, etc. But when you worship God, you still hear the taunt of our enemy the devil saying to you, Don't forget, there's a bit of you that still belongs to me. It's sad if our Christian principles have a selling price, and it's also tragic if we won't turn from worldly behaviour for any price. The Roman persecution of Christians began during the reign of Nero and persisted until Christianity was recognised as a legitimate religion by the Emperor Constantine some 250 years later. Christians were denounced as enemies of men and the gods and therefore subject to the severest tortures. Conviction did not lead inevitably to execution. Pardon would be granted if the Christian threw a few grains of incense on the altar of the pagan god. If this offer was refused, more severe measures, such as scourging or other tortures, were implemented. If these failed, the victim was led to the circus or amphitheatre and subjected to a horrible death for the amusement of the crowd. Perpetua was a young woman of noble birth. She was twenty-two, a wife, a mother of a young son and a Christian. In the city of Carthage in North Africa, on March 7 of the year 203, she was put to death for her religious convictions. Her story comes to us from three eyewitness accounts written shortly after her death. Perpetua was one of five Christians condemned to death in the arena. 
Perpetua's father was a pagan and often came to the prison, many times with Perpetua's son in his arms. He came to plead with his daughter for her to renounce her religion and save her life, all to no avail. There appears to be on record a transcript of a conversation she had with her father as she waited for death. When I was in the hands of the persecutors, my father, in his tender solicitude, tried hard to pervert me from the faith. My father, I said, you see this picture. Can we call it by any other name than what it is? No, he said. Nor can I call myself by any other name than that of Christian. Daughter, he said, have pity on my grey hairs. Do not give me over to disgrace. Behold your brothers, your mother and your aunt. Behold your child who cannot live without you. Do not destroy us all. My father kissed my hands and threw himself at my feet, and I wept because of my father, for he alone of all my family would not rejoice in my martyrdom. So I comforted him, saying, In this trial what God determines will take place. We are not in our own keeping, but in God's. So he left me weeping bitterly. On March 7, Perpetua and her four companions were led to the arena where the crowd demanded that they should be scourged. Then a boar, a bear and a leopard were set loose on the men while the women were attacked by a wild bull. Wounded, Perpetua was then put to the sword. She didn't sell out. She held fast to her convictions and has become an inspiring example of integrity. When King David's son Absalom rebelled against him, David commanded his generals to spare his son's life in the inevitable battle. Absalom's forces were defeated, and Absalom himself fled, but soon found himself trapped. One soldier loyal to David saw him and reported his whereabouts to one of the generals, a man called Joab. In Second Samuel chapter 18 we read that Joab said to the man who had told him, Now, behold, you saw him. Why then did you not strike him there to the ground, and I would have given you ten pieces of silver and a belt? The man said to Joab, Even if I should receive a thousand pieces of silver in my hand, I would not put out my hand against the king's son, for in our hearing the king charged you and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Protect for me the young man Absalom. Not for ten, nor even a thousand pieces of silver, with that man have disobeyed his king's command. But what about us? I'm privileged to know some Christians who've passed this test magnificently. But what about us? Would we dare to disobey one of our Lord's commands for ten million dollars?
Oh, the joy of having all in Jesus! What a balm the broken heart to heal! Ne'er a sin so great but he'll forgive it, nor a sorrow that he does not feel. If I have but Jesus, only Jesus, nothing else in all the world beside, oh, then everything is mine in Jesus. For my needs and more he will provide. There's a verse in Mark 8 that says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And in Colossians 3, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, as I told you earlier, we have a free booklet to accompany this series. If you'd like us to send you one, ask for the title, No Compromise. And you can contact us by email or by post. And here's the address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And the email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You can find some programmes and helpful material on our website, past programmes of Search for Truth, that is. And you just go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk to obtain them. Now, we're thrilled and encouraged to have your company, but please join us again next week if you can. Until next time, it's our very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. Goodbye for now, and may God richly bless you. Oh.